Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Abide in Liberty. I'm so glad that you're here. This week, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to share... um, a personal experience that I had recently. Um, and hopefully, you know, there's a bunch of thoughts that kind of went along with this. Hopefully we can, hopefully I can make sense of it for you as I go through here and what this has to do with um, the topic and kind of the theme of abide in liberty. So our family just recently moved and in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if you move outside of the boundaries for the congregation that you were a part of previously, you end up attending a new congregation. So as we were preparing to move, um, we were going to be um, heading into a different congregation with a very different demographic from what we'd been used to. We live in an area and have lived in an area for the past 10 years with lots and lots of young families with lots of children. When I came out to interview 11 years ago now or so, I went and attended. I came out for an interview, stayed for the weekend and attended one of the local congregations. And as I walked in, uh, there was kind of this dull roar of children in the background. And, you know, where we were living before that out in Georgia, we're in Arizona now, but in Georgia, we were one of very, of a very small number of families with children. And so our, you know, if our kids sneezed or bumped their head and started crying, I mean, it reverberated throughout the entire church. Um, And everyone knew who it was. Um, When we came, when I came out and did that interview and attended the congregation here in Southern Arizona. Um, I mean, I just felt like we could just disappear. Our kid noise wouldn't be disruptive to anyone because there's kind of this background noise already. And we thought this would just be great. And that's the kind of the environment we've spent the last 10 years in for, for church. And it's been wonderful. When we were getting ready to move just recently, we uh, were slated the, you know, where we purchased land and where we were building uh, was geographically located in an area where the majority of the members of the church in that congregation were a little bit older. Um, you know, lots of um, mature families where children had moved on, a few small families and a few young families, but not all that much. And every time we talk to people about where we were going, they kind of expressed their condolences and, you know, felt like, I don't know, we were downgrading somehow, which was really unfortunate. The This ward had actually been a part of our congregation six or seven years ago. We were, you know, here locally in our town where all these small families were. We had kind of a, a congregation that was made up of those small families and then these folks out on what's called the ranches. So kind of uh, several miles away past the mines, um, there's several properties out there where people things are a little bit more spread out. Um, so anyways, you've got kind of these two things going on. The wards and these congregations ended up splitting 
And the folks out on the ranches got their own ward. And this is kind of the ward that we moved into. We're moving on to some land. So this is where we're going. So we knew a lot of these people um, and knew that we weren't downgrading at all. These are people that we had known and loved before, but it was interesting that there was that perception and that, you know, we were, um, I don't know, kind of seen as getting lost or going to, to a ward that, uh, didn't have a whole lot to offer for a young family. Um, we've been attending now since the first of the year, since uh, the first of January. And as I was sitting at, in our men's uh, kind of Sunday school class this past Sunday, I noticed some things that were really interesting and it generated kind of a, a train of thought that I wanted to share with you. First of all, there was a new brother that had been baptized into the ward, and it was really kind of cool to see how welcoming the the members of this group were to this new brother, to this new uh, person who had joined the congregation. And it was, you know, a lot of times we, when we're trying to welcome, we feel a little uncomfortable ourselves. So it tends to come across maybe a little forced or a little nervous or whatever the case is. This felt completely natural. I mean, they were immediately asking him questions and really it, it felt like to me that there was zero nervousness on the part of the rest of this group and welcoming this new brother in and just, you know, making him feel a part of the group. And I don't know how to really describe that very well, except it was extremely natural. Um, there was a genuine interest in who he was, what his interests were, um, what his background was, what brought him to this decision, how he felt about it. Um, you know, a lot of the questions that sometimes I feel nervous asking people if I don't know them really well, they just kind of welcomed him with open arms and it was incredibly natural, incredibly comfortable. And I, I loved watching that happen. And, you know, it's almost like, they intuitively and immediately saw him as a brother who's always been there, who's always been a part of their family. It felt like that, like this was, hey, just a, a brother they hadn't seen in a while and they were catching up. And, you know, the, the reality is that's exactly who he is. We are all brothers and sisters. And it was just, man, I, I couldn't help but think if, if every person... Um, could be welcomed the way that that brother was, all the problems that that would solve in our society. Um, you know, something also that uh, I found interesting, and I don't know if there's anything to this or not, but, you know, a lot of the the people in this ward are, you know, people who work with their hands and have worked very hard throughout their lives. You know, these are kind of the tough guys, but they were very also, they're also incredibly open and willing to share emotions. In fact, one brother came up, or as he was introducing me as a new member of this group, commented that he remembered, and I actually, I probably should tell my wife this. I totally forgot to tell her this, but um, remembered a talk that she gave years ago when we were, you know, in the ward that was combined with their group um, about... Mary. It was around Christmas time. And I, I don't remember the talk. I didn't remember her giving that talk, but he did. He remembered it. He made a point to, to point that out and how much it had touched him. Um, and 
you know, the rest of the Sunday school meeting were these kind of what people would stereotypically see as the tough guys expressing emotion, um, you know, getting a little choked up when they felt the spirit and, uh, and as they were answering questions. And again, it was really just comfortable how open and uninhibited these brothers were. The other impression I got is, you know, I was watching the the men filter in before the class started was, you know, they were ribbing each other, kind of joking with each other. Um, but again, it was, it was very good natured. And the impression I got, and I don't know if this is true or not. I mean, I don't see their personal lives, but the way that they were interacting, the way that they were expressing an openness and a vulnerability with each other, the way that they were, um, you know, not acting nervous or reserved or on their guard with each other led me to believe that these aren't people who spend their time during the week gossiping about each other behind their backs. Um, and what a refreshing atmosphere that must be where you come to a place where you know that the people there have your back. They may not agree with you. There may be things about you that bug them, and there may be things about them that bug you, but you know that that you can trust them, that you can be who you are, because they're not going to go around dogging you behind your back. Um, and again, wow, what a what a different world we would be living in if everybody adopted that mentality. You know, I, I'm always interested in, in looking at and trying to understand what do we need to do and what needs to be in place in order for us to, to save this country. We're not on a great trajectory. We've been on a steady decline for decades. And how do we give it? How do we, how do we get it back? How do we save that? Um, you know, and I look at what, what is different about this group of people that is so welcoming to people of all different ages, all different nationalities and skin colors and everything else where they just immediately are open and vulnerable and welcoming and kind and and just showing and, and kind of epitomizing brotherly love. What's different about them? Where Where is this divisiveness and racism, this, um, this white privilege that I hear so much about? It's not there. Well, where is it? Why are why are these men, why is this group of people so different? And the only thing I could come up with, and it makes perfect sense, is that these are lifelong disciples. Many of them are more advanced in years, um, but they have spent a lifetime trying themselves to progress and helping each other progress and grow. I mean, these people serve like no one's business. There's a service project going on almost constantly, it seems like, and they're bringing the youth into it. You know, it's what makes the difference in how these men interact with each other. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not their political affiliation. It's not who they voted for. It's not who's the president of the United States now versus who was the president four years ago. It's the gospel, plain and simple. The gospel is what saves this country, it's what saves our families, and it's what's going to save the world and usher in an era of peace that I, frankly, am very much looking forward to. You know, and I I know I've said this before, and I'm going to say it many, many times again, that, you know, yeah, it's important to be politically involved, but 
that political involvement should center around who is the leader that is going to bring us closer to what God wants us to do. Not what we think is important, not the person that you know, happens to support our pet cause. You know, maybe I'm a big gun person and so I'm going to go for the person that that's a big gun person. But no, who who's the person that is moral, that is righteous, that will turn to God for guidance when faced with difficult decisions and who will follow God's rules for freedom and not our own, not his own, not her own. Um, who are those who are going to put God first? Because you know, if if we have leaders that are putting him first, and then we, as citizens, are trying to do the same thing, this country is going to be fantastic. But if we um, make the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or football or whatever the case is, our God, and ignore him, if we make if we make Donald Trump or if we make Joe Biden or if we make Ron DeSantis the person that we put our trust in to save us, we're completely missing the mark. It's not any of them that save us, but it's our elected leaders and ourselves looking to Christ for salvation that saves each individual and then collectively will will save this great nation. Um, And so those are the leaders that we should be looking for that will help advance that cause. Again, going back to this group of individuals, uh, you know, when when you're anxiously engaged in God's work, there's no room for workaholism or for gossip or for backbiting or for screen addiction or any other addiction. There's no room for silence when new people arrive in our midst or avoiding those people and personalities that we don't click with. All that fluff, all that that dross gets burned off and gets pushed out of our lives. I feel like um, as I was sitting there and observing this, and I'm sure these people aren't perfect. I'm sure there's stuff going on in this ward um, that I, because I'm so new, I just haven't been privy to. Uh, But I've been to a lot of new wards. You know, when I was 21, I think I counted the number of houses I lived in and it was something like 23 and it's been many, many more since my wife and I've been married. So, you know, this isn't just me being enamored of a new place. There was something and there is something special about this, um, this group of men. I feel like I caught a small glimpse of what Zion looks like, of what that unified body of saints looks like that we should all be striving for. The other thought that I've had many times, and I'm and it's kind of renewed itself since being in this ward, is you know, there's something to people who have a little space around their home, who are on a little bit of land. I mean, and these people are not wealthy, by the way. I'm not talking about people who live on acres and acres and have beautiful houses. You know, a lot of these folks live in trailers or older homes or whatever the case is, and they do live on some property, but there is something about about having a little space that keeps us grounded, that keeps us focusing on the right things. You know, I can't help but think as I, you know, we live in an area that has a lot of low light ordinances. So even when I was living in these, um, you know, suburban developments, you could walk out in your backyard and see the stars, which 
growing up in Las Vegas and serving a mission in Chicago was not something that I was used to. But there was something very humbling and awe-inspiring about being able to see stars. And I wonder, I wonder what we miss by living in a place like Las Vegas or New York City where you can't see that, where you don't have that reminder of how small we really are and how there has to be something out there, something bigger than us that is orchestrated and, and, and coordinated and created all of this beauty that we see. Um, there's a scripture in Isaiah 5 that says, Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In mine ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair without inhabitant. I think there's something to that. And I don't know exactly what that means. You know, I'm not trying to say that if you're living in a, a neighborhood that um, you're evil or that you're going to be overtaken by the devil or anything like that. But there, there is an important principle there that we need space to be alone, that we need we need a little bit more connection with the world around us. And that doesn't come through a screen or social media or, um, or anything like that. There is something valuable to being outside. Yeah. And I really don't know how else to describe it other than that, other than that's just an impression that I've received. So if hopefully that's useful to you, hopefully it makes sense. If not, I apologize. Um, but these are just kind of some of the thoughts that I had here. I think there's also something to do with, and maybe this is part of that connection, right? Typically, if you're out on land, there's, um, you know, there tends to be a lot of work that goes into keeping up a property like that. And I think there's something too, that there, there's a connection between physical work and getting your hands dirty too, that grounds you, that keeps you from, um, from getting sucked into a lot of the distractions out there. You know, when I was, when we were in this ward several years ago that had kind of this, this suburban neighborhood group and then the ranch group out that were on land, um, I was over the 12 and 13 year old young men at the time. And it was really, really interesting to see the, um, the rancho or the kind of the suburban kids, sorry, the, the housing development's called Rancho Sawarita. But so the Rancho kids, um, from the neighborhood that would come in and the things that they would talk about were the video games that they had played and things like that. Whereas the boys that would come in from the ranches were talking about how they'd spent the weekend camping or hunting, building dirt bike tracks with their dad, you know, and there was a marked difference in the work ethic of these two groups of boys. And it wasn't, you know, all great on one side and all terrible on another, but there, there definitely was an impact there. You know, and when, uh, one of my favorite stories from the Book of Mormon is, um, about Alma who escaped King Noah and he took the people who believed him and they left and kind of built their own city. And it talked about how happy this small society of people was. They were doing their best to live the gospel. It says that they were industrious and labored exceedingly. You know, and again, I think there's a principle there. There's a principle that when you're connected to work, when you're actively trying to build and create and improve things, um, it grounds you. It it brings joy that you can't get 
through just blind, um, catatonic entertainment, which is, you know, seems to be kind of the goal of, of our society. You know, we go to work, we come back because we want to binge Netflix, because we want to veg, we want to, whatever the case is, right? Play whatever game it is on our phone that happens to be our, you know, little personal addiction. But um, work is where it's at. Work is where happiness comes from. That struggle and that that work is what truly brings joy. Um, and I saw people in this church group that I've been talking about that know how to work. You know, I'm not really sure exactly how to wrap this up. This was just kind of more my own random thoughts as uh, that kind of came to me as I was sitting there um, in church and observing. But I suppose if there's one key takeaway, kind of one overarching principle that I'd like to um, to point out here is the importance and the joy and the the confidence and the happiness that comes from a lifetime of service and focus on God's priorities for our lives. Um, So I guess in that case, this does make a whole lot of sense and does connect with what we've been talking about. Um, Getting rid of the distractions, getting to a place where we can be left alone, where we can have quiet and where we can hear what God wants us to do. And then we cut out the distractions that prevent us from from doing what he wants us to do we get to work we make it happen and and it's magic it's magic so anyways i hope hope you found something there that was useful to you uh, have a great week and i'll see you here next time thank you for listening to abide in liberty make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family in the meantime Keep up with the show online at AbideInLiberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting LibertyYouthAcademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.